0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Right, so um, how are we all doing first of all? We want to find out. Everybody doing okay? Yeah? Did we all have a good week? Yeah? Uh, as a matter of fact, what I want you to do right now is to turn to the person sitting next to you and ask them how their week went. Okay, very quickly for a second. All right. And hopefully, hopefully they, gave you, they gave you a good report that they had a good week. Um, any, even if they didn't and, and they had a very difficult week, um, we still thank God. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because I am not, I'm not negating the fact that you know some, some of you may have had a very challenging week. Um, but I thank God for your life because you are here. Uh, you are here this morning, uh, you woke up this morning, um, there were a lot of decisions you had to make whether you were going to come to church or you were going to stay at home, uh, but you dusted yourself off, had your shower, probably had, your, had some breakfast, uh, and then you came over and you're seated here in the house of God, and that alone is something for us to be grateful to God for. Um, we, we don't always have to wait till God does those big miracles for us. The fact that we are here, the fact that we have breath of life in us, the fact that we are able to, you know, have life. uh, We always have to remember that it is God who is giving us that and for us to continue to give thanks to him. Uh, We sang earlier this morning, bless the Lord, O my soul. Uh, There is a scripture that says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Uh, He heals us. He strengthens us. He gives us grace. Uh, according to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 8, and it says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to create wealth. Uh, so all of these things, we don't need to neglect it. We always have to remember that. So it is not entirely true that God hasn't done anything for us. Uh, God has been, always been good to us. God always continues to show his favor towards us, uh, even the fact that we as we said. Um, so this morning, I wanted to share something really, really quickly uh, particularly coming off the back of uh, Easter celebration, which we just had last week, uh, where we were reminded of what Jesus Christ did for us, uh, his death on the cross, and what that means for us today, that because of that, we've been transformed, we've been redeemed uh, to becoming one of his children. Okay? Uh, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, but what I want to speak about is the fact that in spite of everything that God has done for us, in spite of the fact that he gave his life for us, in spite of the fact that he delivered us, in spite of the fact that is giving us the life that we have today, the interesting thing is sometimes we reject God. Sometimes we keep God at an arm's length and we say, yes, I know that you, you came to die for me and everything, but this is as far as you, I'm going to go in allowing you to come into my life. Uh, And for some of us, it is an outward rejection, okay? Uh, So, I wanted us to have a look at the reason why, as Christians, and even, I mean, for the unbelievers, we know that, obviously, they are yet to come into the faith. Some people have had the gospel preached to them, uh, and they've still gone ahead and said, no, in spite of everything, I still don't want to become a a, a Christian. But it is more serious for us, those of us who are in the house of God, for, for those of us who are who are Christians, uh, for us to actually reject God. Uh, now, if you look through scriptures, there are examples of people and even nations who actually rejected God, who kept God on an arm's length and said, no, we don't want you to become too much involved in our lives. And I think the worst corporate were the truth of God. Uh, by the truth what I mean is the people of God, the people of Israel. These were people that God considered to be the apple of his eye. These were people that God held in high esteem. And yet, at different stages in their, in their life, or in their history, they rejected God. So I want us to have a look to see why would, after everything that God has done for him, why would we still continue to keep him at an ant's length? Why would you still want to say that we don't want anything to do with you when in actual fact, the very bread that we have, he's the one who's giving to us. So, so we're going to have a look. So please, if you have your Bibles with you, we can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm going to start from there. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I'm going to start I'm going to read from verse 15. And just a little background to this, uh, this, this uh, scripture. Um, this was Moses speaking to the people of Israel. It's almost like it was his last words for the people of Israel. Uh, They were on their way to the promised land. And God had said to uh, Moses that he wasn't going to go with them to the promised land. But he gave them instructions. He gave him instructions to pass on to the people of Israel. And this is one of the things that uh, Moses actually said uh, uh, to the people of Israel. So, um, Deuteronomy chapter 30, um, verse 15, and I'm reading from the NIV. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. Verse 19. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. And I'll repeat that. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers Abraham Isaac, and Jacob. Now, at the first read of this scripture, you would, you would think that it, it was a no-brainer for the people of Israel that God didn't have to set blessings and curses before them. But he did. That is because that is the nature of of the God that we serve. He gives us the power of choice. If you remember all the way down in the garden, that is what he did. When he told Adam and Eve, our forefather, our ancestor, that this is what you do if you disobey, if you eat of this tree. I mean, the rest, we know what really happened. But in this scripture... God, in actual fact, is saying that you are my people. I have made a covenant with you. You are the apple of my eye. And yet, to make you not to feel that, you know, I'm being a burden before you, this is what I'm saying. I'm setting before you a choice. Life or death. Okay? Life, and the only thing I require from you, I'm not requiring every a lot of things, just Be obedient to what I've done. Just follow my dictates, follow my decrees, follow my laws. And when you do that, I will make sure that you will remain a people dedicated to me. On the other hand, you can choose to disobey me. And when you disobey me, this is what is actually going to come before you. As a matter of fact, when you read through the, if you read previous chapters, God lists down a list of all the curses that will come upon the people of Israel. And that is the type of God that we serve. That the God that we serve is not a God that will put things on you. He's set before us today, blessings and curses. We need to make a choice. Just as the people of Israel made that choice. Okay. But I quite like exactly what he said. He said that now choose life. Even though he has set the blessings and curses before them, he told them that you don't want to go that other route. Because that other route is not a very good route to go through. You don't want to go through all the suffering, all the curses that's going to come upon you. The ground is going to be cursed. Everything that you plant, everything that you grow, everything that you do is going to be cursed. Is that what you really want? And yet, at different phases in the life of the people of Israel, they did do that. They did reject God. They did keep God at an arm's length. And God being so merciful, always had to come in to intervene and to show to them that this is what you're doing, but I still love you, and because I've made that covenant with you, there is no way that I'm going to break that covenant. So if we look through the history of Israel, we will notice that at different stages in their lives, they went, they rejected God pretty much. They did followed other gods, did all the things that they wanted to do, and the consequences came through. God actually, they were given up to their enemies. Their uh, enemies defeated them up until when they got to that point where it was getting too difficult for them. That is when they remembered God, and they cried out to God, and God delivered them. So at each stage, even though they rejected God, God actually came in at the moment that they needed him, and he rescued them. And you would have thought that they would actually learn from it. I think, I think that's exactly the way we are as human beings, as, as children of God. Oftentimes, yes, we are in the presence of God. We experience his blessings. And then when times are hard, when situations arise, when we don't have our way, we begin to question God. The very God who has given us the breath that we have. The very God who been, has been through for us in those challenging moments. We still go back and we still question God. And for some people, it, it becomes a basis for them to say, you know what? I don't want anything to do with you. This morning, I really want to encourage us even before we go into uh, the, our main scripture that we want to have a look at, to encourage us that, yes, it may be very difficult for us. Yes, we may have gone through difficult times. But it doesn't mean that God is not with us. God has always been with us through every stage of the way. If you look at the book of Isaiah chapter 43, when the prophet was speaking to the people of Israel, he told them that when, they, when they've been through the fire, God has always been there for them. When they've been through the water, when they felt that they were drowning, God had been through, but was there with them. And they didn't die. They came out of it successfully. So if he's done that for you, if he's done that for you, why wouldn't you want to hold on to God? Why wouldn't you want to, in spite of all the challenges, the difficulties that is going on in your life, Why don't you still want to hold on to because you know for sure that this God that we serve, he says that he never leaves us nor forsakes us just as he was with the people of old, just as he was with you even when we're going through those challenges. He's promised that he's always going to be with us. So that is good enough reason for us to hold on to him regardless of the circumstances that we're going through. But as I said earlier on, in the life of the people that he came to save, the people that he treasures so much, they rejected him a number of times. And this morning, I want us to have a look at some of the reasons why people will reject God. Some of the reasons why people will keep God at bay and not allow him to come into our lives so that he will continue to live our lives uh, through, through us. So, let's turn our Bibles very quickly to First Samuel, First Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. say a very interesting story there that really mirrors not only the people of Israel, but our lives as well as Christians. 1 okay. Samuel chapter 8. Okay. Right. So 1 uh, Samuel chapter 8, reading from verse 1. Says so when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of the second was Abijah. And they served at Beersheba, but his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the leaders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him. You are old. And your sons do not follow your, your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all other nations have. But when they said this. Give us a king to lead us. This displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him. Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt unto this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Verse 10. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. Now, f- f- I'm, I'm going to skip jump very quickly, but from verse 11 all the way down to 18, someone lists all the things that the king was going to do to the people. He tells them, you know, the daughters are, are going to be taken away from them. Uh, the daughters will be preparing food for the king, pretty much reducing them to a life of servitude. Okay. But in verse 19, it says, after everything that Samuel, you know, had told them about what was potential, what was going to happen, this is what they say. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we shall be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, He repeated it before the Lord, and the Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, everyone go back to your own town. They had demanded a king. They had got to that point where they felt that they've had enough with everything that was happening. In spite of the fact that God was leading them, God had led them all through these different seasons up until now. And then they go before Samuel and say, right, we don't want this arrangement anymore. We've had enough of this. We want to be like all the other nations. We've had a look around and we've seen all the other nations, the way they have a king, they have a leader. who is a a king, a military leader, who will normally lead them into battles and all of that. It seems nice. And we want to be like them. And because of that, we want you to appoint a king for us. To make it worse, your sons, who uh, who succeeded you, were not living up to your standard. They were corrupt. Or they are corrupt. And because of that, we want we come before and we say right. We want you to uh, 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 appoint a king uh, for us. Now, this is the situation the people of Israel found themselves in. Now, to give us a sense of the reason why, because earlier on God was saying that they have not they have not rejected you, Samuel, as the leader over them. They have rejected me, considering everything that I've done for them. Now, for us to get a sense of why God was saying that, we need to then go back, backtrack, all the way down to Genesis chapter 12. When God chose Abraham, in chapter 15, God made a promise to Abraham that he was going to what, be his shield, and it's a seemingly great reward. Through Abraham, seeds were going to be born into the world. Now, through Abraham, Isaac came onto the scene, Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Out of Jacob came the 12 tribes of Israel, basically. And during these seasons, God was still with the people of Israel because he made a promise to uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he was going to be their God and they were going to be his people. So even when they were in captivity in Egypt... They cried out to God. God had them. And God brought a deliverer in the person of Moses to come into the scene. To lead them from where they were into the promised land as they were going. And even during their journey to the promised land. Something that was supposed to have taken 40 days. And ended up taking them 40 years. Simply because of the doubts, the unbelief and all of that. But God was still very merciful to them. God still showed grace towards them. God provided them manna when they when they complained. God provided them water from the flinty rock. So every stage at every stage of that journey, God was with them. God provided for them. God made sure that they were okay. They were protected against enemies coming uh, uh, towards them. And then when they started flattening with other nations, started worshipping other gods, you know, keeping their eye off the ball, and started worshipping other gods, it led to a lot of challenges in their lives. And any time they had a challenge, it then brought them to that realization that, hang on we have a God, we serve a God. And they cried out to God, and each time they cried out to God, God actually answered them by sending people to come and deliver us. we can think of the Deborahs, we can think of the uh, 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 Samson's and all of that who came in to actually, uh, you know. And all this time, God was still the sovereign over their lives. Up until this moment in time, where they they come to Samuel and they say, yes, we know God has actually, you know, done everything for us, but we're still not happy. We're still not satisfied. We want to have a king. We we are no longer interested in a theocracy where we had God ruling over us. We want to now have a monarchy because with the monarchy, we can see the king. We can see the king who is going to lead us into battle. And basically, we just want to be like all the other nations. But what they don't realize is that they were not like all the other nations. They were a unique breed. They were a chosen people that God had actually chosen. And God was doing something great in their lives. And sometimes that is, how, that is how the way we live our lives as Christians. We've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We've confessed him. We believe in our heart and confess with our mother, Jesus Christ is Lord. And God comes to dwell in us through his Holy Spirit. And yet, we still look around and we want what the world is got. And that is something that we have to be very, very careful about. And the interesting thing is that God will not hold us. He's, one of the things that he's done for us is given us a power of choice. And that is the reason why we read earlier on. I said before you today, blesses and curses. It's up to you. Choose what you want. But I would encourage you to choose life. Because when you choose life, it will go well with you. And that is what I really want to encourage us today. That we choose life. Because when we choose life, regardless, it, it doesn't really mean that we are not going to go through challenges. Okay? It doesn't mean that we won't have challenges. This idea that when you become a Christian is the end of everything, please, it is not. It really is not. If anything at all, it is the beginning of sorrow. Paul talks about he said, for our affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for, for us a far exceedingly weight of glory. When you become a Christian, that is when, you know, the, the heat gets, gets, you know, wrapped up. But as a believer, because you have the spirit of God in you, you know that these things are not coming in to break you. They are there to come to build character in you. And we know that we need to be strong. We need to be mature to be able to be worthy ambassadors of Christ. Particularly living in a culture like this, living in these challenging time, this post-Christian, post-modern world, it is very, very important that we understand who we are, what it is, or what it means to become a Christian. So what are some of the reasons why people will keep God at an arm's length? Why did the people of Israel decide that, for whatever reason, we wanted a king? We didn't want God. Now, the first thing that they talked about or the first reason they gave centers around the issue of bad or corrupt leadership. Because earlier on, they talked about the fact that his children, Samuel's children were not walking in his stead. Perhaps Samuel has set that standard of integrity of what it meant to walk with Christ. And so the idea was that with his children coming in, the children were going to be, if not more than the standard that he set. But they didn't. Scripture said that they were living a corrupt life. And that gave the elders or the leaders of uh, Israel to come in to demand for a king. Now, I don't know about you, and of course, the scripture doesn't give us any... A hint as to what really happened between uh, uh, Samuel and his children, but clearly there are a number of questions that we ought to be asking and and one of them is did Samuel actually you know train his children to take up leadership position? Did he prepare them enough, or was it the case that he did prepare them but then you know, typically, yes, they, they, they inherited the, 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 the position of priest in Israel and they started to go haywire. We are not told. But clearly, something went wrong somewhere along the line when they took over uh, uh, leadership in Israel. Now, we are not also very sure whether they were appointed or they were selected by God. Or it was just a case of because Samuel had been elected, uh, Samuel had been appointed by God, and Samuel was old and wasn't, wasn't physically in the position to continue leading the people of Israel, he hand, uh, handed uh, on the baton to his children. Now, we are not told any of these, but one thing we do know from the scripture is that they did not follow their father's footsteps, and that gave The leaders, the Israelites, the opportunity for them to come and say, We want to, we want a king. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that it's fair to say that, you know, leadership is really, really important wherever you go, whether it's in the church or in in civil life. And I do believe that when you become a leader, it is not about, you know, trying to exert your, uh, your power on other people. You become a role model that people have to follow. And when you're doing that, it is very, very important that, uh, especially if you're a child of God, it is very, very important that you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you as you continue to lead people. Because you never know what people are doing. People are actually looking at you for inspiration. People are looking at you for direction. It is no wonder that Paul said that imitate me as I imitate Christ, because for him Christ was the road. Christ was the standard, and that is the reason why he had the confidence for him to tell the people that he was writing to that imitate me, because I it's not some I am not doing it myself, I am not inventing any leadership. Uh, uh, principles, everything that i 'm walking in now i 'm doing it because i 'm imitating christ i 'm looking up to Christ and Christ is giving me the strength and that is the reason why, and that is the reason why when i 'm telling you that you should imitate me, I'm, I know that what I am actually exhibiting is something that is coming from God and I believe that this is very, really important for us as as not only those who are in positions of leadership but all of us are if you 're a parent. Okay, in the workplace, wherever you are, you are representing Christ. So you are in some kind of leadership position. And it's very, very important for us to bear in mind to make sure that we are allowing God to lead us through his Holy Spirit. Especially when you become a Christian, when people get to know that you're a Christian, you come under a lot of scrutiny. I don't know about you, but as soon as you mention the fact that you're a Christian, that's because there is a certain reputation that comes with being a Christian. So people are going to be watching you. Your utterances and everything. And that is the reason why each and every day when you wake up, when they say spend time in gospel, you are asking God to give you strength, the grace to enable you to go out there to better represent him. There are lots of people in the world today who've decided not to come to Christ simply because of what they've seen a Christian leader do. They've seen a brother or a sister who professes to be a Christian, but... What they say and what they do are two different things. And because of that, they said, if this is what Christianity is about, I don't want anything to do with it. We know that. We know people. we've, We've had interactions with people who've actually said that. We had interactions with people who said that when they were children, you know, the parents didn't live up to that responsibility. And because of that, and the parents were Christians, if they were Christians, they probably would say that if this is what it means, I don't want anything to do with it. So it is very, very, very important for us as believers that when we, when we are out there, we have to remember that we are representing Christ. We are not representing ourselves. We have to remember that we've died to the flesh. The life that we live now, we live in line with God. And if that's the case, then whatever we do, we need to remember that we are representing God. And so we need to ask God to give us the grace and the strength to enable us to be able to live that life that he wants us to live so that we can be a source of encouragement to someone. And if... You are happen to be in a leadership position as well, whether it be you know in management, whatever that is. Again, just a reminder that you are. Yes, we live. We need. We know we live in a secular world, but as Christians, we know that we are influenced by the Spirit of God, and we need to make sure that whatever we're doing, we're doing it according to the will of God. We need that discernment. We need that wisdom. We need that skill to help us to be able to do that. Remember Daniel did that in, in in Babylon? He said they had a spirit of excellence in them. And they, they worked in such a way that there was nothing that could be, no fault could be found by Daniel except when it comes to his relationship with God. And that is something that we need to really, really hold on to. The other thing that I I, I also noticed very quickly was that Even if the people, uh, as Joel and and Abijah were appointed by God, the Israelites should have gone to God rather than going to Samuel. We know that Samuel was a representative, but rather than going and complaining to Samuel and saying that on the basis of what we've seen, we want a king. They, 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 and, and, and again, I believe that that's the reason why God was saying that they are not rejecting you, they are rejecting me. Because I am the one who was actually appointed, created, instituted this structure, this theocratic structure, where I am the sovereign over the people of Israel, where I am the shield and the exceedingly great reward. So why didn't they cry out to uh, uh, God? Yes, we know that they spoke to Samuel who then cried out to God because Samuel was the intermediary. But the way in which they came to Samuel seemed to suggest that God had nothing to do with it. It was all Samuel's fault because Samuel had passed the baton on to his children who were not living according to uh, uh, the standard that he set. And I think that as, as, as Christians, we know that the church, and I'm going to be controversial, we know that the church has also been responsible for some very, very, very bad atrocities. If if we have to be honest. The same church of Jesus Christ has perpetuated some serious atrocities right across the world. And that is the reason why a lot of people are looking at the church and saying that if this is really, really, really what Christianity is about, when people who are put in places of leadership end up using that position to actually abuse people. Then the church doesn't cease, doesn't, doesn't have the moral authority to exist. Why do you blame them when they say something like that? That's because they have every right. But I, And that is the reason why I do believe that as Christians... We have a response. We have a duty of care to our leaders. We need to pray for them. We need to bear them up in prayer. We need to pray for ourselves, but equally, we need to pray for the leaders that God, you know, appoints for us. It's all well and good when they come, they stand and they're preaching and and they're doing what they need to do. But you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. We don't know. We We are not privy to it. But what we do know is that they are human beings just as we are. And they go through all the challenges that we will go through. They may not come and stand in front of you and tell you that this is what is going on. But they are going through challenges sometimes. And all it takes for us is for us to actually bear them up in prayer. Rather than being judgmental and very critical of them. Because when we do that, we are bringing the people of God down. God has, God has appointed them for them to lead us. But it doesn't mean that they are superhuman beings. They are also human beings just as we are. They are men of like passions like us, as James said. James said that Elijah was a man of like passion. Had all the challenges that we will go through and yet was able to pray that it shouldn't rain for a number of months and it didn't. So when, they, when we have our leaders... We have to remember that they are people just like us. They've got passions. They've got challenges that they might be going through. They are treasures that God has actually, from the the earth, that God has actually chosen to be a blessing to us. They become the intermediary between us and God, just as Samuel was at the time. And so rather than us criticizing them, we need to bear them up in prayer, we need to remember them, we need to support them in whichever way uh, uh, we can so that they will continue to stand in that office to be able to minister, to bring God's wisdom, to bring God's uh, direction into our lives. So whilst they had the reason to be able to do that because of bad leadership and corrupt leadership, I do believe that. You know, they should have actually taken it up to God rather than going and saying that, right, Samuel, it's your fault. Your children weren't living up to your, uh, uh, your standard. And because of that, it's, it's, a, it's a strong reason for us to actually demand the king. We have to be really, really careful as Christians, but also as, as, as the body, the wider body of Christ. We also have to stop hero worshiping people as well. I think that's really, really important. We need to stop hero-worshipping people. We need to remember that these are people that God has given the gift and the skill to be able to minister, or in the, in, the, in, in the case of music, yes, to be able to minister to so that we can all be led into the presence of God. But that doesn't mean that these people are above everything else. They are not. And again, in recent times, we've had people actually denounce the faith. We've had stories of people who've actually giving all sorts of reasons and walked away from the faith. These are people who actually were considered to be, you know, leading Christian leaders, not just, you know, all around the world. They've written books. We've read some of their books and and all of that. And then they make those statements and then they walk away. And as a result of that, some people's faith have been shattered as a result of that. Now, I, I, I would say, I would ask the question, you know, why did you, they were human beings. I will, I will begin to question the faith that you have. Because if your, the faith that you have relies on a leader who is a musician or who is, you know, uh, uh, leading a church. And that person, you know, begins to exhibit human traits. And all of a sudden you think, right, the Christian faith is not a good faith to belong to. Then uh, you have to question who you, uh, your Christian faith. And that is the reason why Paul tells us that we should work at our own salvation with fear and trembling. We need to be able to do that. It is good for us to have them because we need leaders to lead us, but ultimately we need to remember that these are representatives of God. And at any point in time, they will falter. And when they falter, it is not an opportunity for us to walk away from the faith simply because of that person. We need to learn to do that. Because if we don't, then... We are standing on shaky grounds. We are standing, our faith is quite shaky. It means that our faith is, if you like, conditional. It's based on the fact that this person is out there and every time they are producing, they are producing them because they are producing and they are leading us and all of that is great. But then if something happens and they fall or something happens to them, then all of a sudden we say, right, why did God allow that to happen? They, 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 they became human. And when they became human, all of a sudden, you know, our faith that the, the foundation of our faith was shaken. Really, really, really important, I believe, this this issue of leadership. That if we remember that they are people that God has appointed, but they, it doesn't mean that they are immortal. They are human beings and they can fall. So whilst we do not want them to fall, we want them to continue to be used by God, it then becomes our responsibility to pray, to intercede, to encourage them. I mean, Sister Patience talked about, you know, we needing people in the house of God for, for us to come and serve. Now, if a leader comes in and they see that, you know, this is not happening, it will actually, you know disturb their spirit to to, to know that you know every Sunday they come in, they are preaching they're sharing the word, they're administering the church and people are still not coming in to actually dedicate the time to serve in the presence of God so apart from praying for them we can also be led by the spirit to say right, is there an area that we can serve, is there anything that we can do to make sure that because we need to be able to continue to manage or run the church it is the church of Jesus Christ God is bringing in harvest into the presence of uh, into his house. But we need to be able to create the stretches so that when people come in, they can be discipled, they can be met, they can be encouraged. Otherwise, they will come in one place and then they will go out of the door. And then you will be looking for them and you can't find them. And that's only because when they came in, there wasn't the structures to actually make you know, disciple them. So that is really, really, really important. So that is one of the reasons. The first reason was about bad and corrupt leadership. Now, the second one, which is very interesting, is they flattered with the world. Flattered with the world. On two occasions, they talked about this phrase kept on coming up. We want to be just like all the other nations. We want to be just like all the other nations. They went out and even said, we wanted a king who will lead us into battle, who will judge us, so we'll end up becoming more like all the other nations. And in effect, they were saying that the current arrangement that they had with God wasn't enough for them. It wasn't enough. Even with Samuel, even when God has appointed judges to go with them, military leaders who God appointed to actually lead them into battle and everything, they still weren't very happy. They still wanted a king. They still wanted a monarchy. And I think that is also something that we have to be really wary of. flirting with the world. We've got everything that God is, everything that we'll need. From the time that we confess Jesus as our Lord and we believe in our hearts, the Bible says that we are new creation according to Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. If anyone be in Christ, is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. Everything has become new. There is a new spirit that comes in us. And it's that spirit that helps us to be able to live a life, the victorious life that God desires us to live. And as we do that, we are also told that as children of God, we do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. We've left the world. We are now walking on that narrow path, not on that broad path. Because we know that broad is the path that people walk on and it leads to death. But narrow is the path that we walk on and that leads to eternal life. So we have to be very, very careful when we start flirting with the world. I mean, even these days, the line between good and evil is become so blurred that if if you blink a minute, you might forget. You might even not notice that something is happening. And that's because the enemy is very, very subtle. He keeps on asking the question, has God said... He keeps on asking us, has God said this? Has God said that? No, it's not true. When you do this, you will not be this. This is what you're going to be coming. And so there are these little, 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 little suggestions that is coming to us. And we are taking it on. And we are running with it. And before we know it, we are, our bodies have been merged into the world. And that is exactly what the people, the people did. We need to remember that each and every one of us has got a testimony, by the way. It is not true that God has not done anything for us. Ever since we became Christians, ever since we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God has always been doing things for us. There are moments where we thought, right, this, this, is, this, is, if, this is God. Because without God, this would not have happened. We have those moments. So why can we hold on to that? Why can we, you know, internalize that and stop flirting with the world? Because the world is promising us great things, and according to the eyes, it looks really good. But we know that it's not. I mean, Proverbs says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. He will come and he will keep probing. He will keep asking questions. If if, if we look around our world today, and I think it's really important for us to continue to notice some of these things that are happening. But you can only notice if you've got the word of God in you. If you if you actually internalize, you are led by the spirit. The Bible says that, uh, uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 19, that we should walk in the spirit so that we'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if we have the spirit of God, if we internalize the word of God, we have the spirit of God in us, we can discern what is right and what is wrong. And we can walk away from it. Otherwise, it, 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 it is so easy for us to actually end up having one leg in the world and one leg in, 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 the, in the body of Christ. And that shouldn't be the case. We are either in or we are out. Jesus Christ said that no one who puts his hand to the plow and turns back is fit for the kingdom. Either your hand is on the plow full-heartedly or you are not in. Either you are hot or you are cold. He talks about in Revelations that he's going to spew you out. If you are not hot, if you are, you are neither hot or cold, you are lukewarm, he will spit you out. And that is something that we need to continue to bear in mind. When, when Paul talks about not conforming any longer to the pattern of the world, but being transformed by the renew of our minds in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that is a good example of what it means being translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son we are out of that place and so what we need to do then we need to continue to live in line with our spirit that lives within us and when we do that we will no longer be conforming to the pattern of the world the pattern of the world is totally different to the pattern of the kingdom of god how do we do that? How do we maintain that? Because I, 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 I recognize that the onslaught coming in from the kingdom of the world is so powerful, so, so, so powerful. Whether I be in the area of consumerism, for example? Would I be in the area of the media that we consume in, in our world today? And the interesting thing is, the enemy is very smart enough that he's pooped People, his representative in these areas, and they are influencing what we consume, and that is reason. I'm very passionate. I am a firm believer in the fact we need to have Christians full of the Holy Spirit, equally in those places, who are actually influencing some of these things and bringing up biblically sound materials for us to consume. So whether it be the entertainment, uh, we I mean, we all like, you know, listening to music and all. What type of music are we listening to, for example? What type of films are we watching? Wouldn't it be nice if we've got people who are full of the Holy Spirit, who know God, who are coming up with good music, biblically sound music that we are listening to. Even sometimes, even the gospel music, some of the music that is, that is paraded as gospel music, we have to be able to look at it very carefully. Gospel, good news. It has to project the kingdom of God. It has to show everything is to lead back to God. We go to the cinema to watch the movies. When we're watching the movies, what, email, what, what subtle messages are being you know, brought to us? I'm not, I'm not saying it to actually, you know, uh, I'm also preaching to myself. Because it's something that, you know, regardless of where, whether the person is standing behind the pulpit or the person is sitting down there, we all go through that. We all go through that. And it, this is just a, an encouragement to us. Sometimes we need to, we need to be reminded of some of the basic fundamentals of our Christian faith. Sometimes we need to be shaken. We need to be awoken and say, hey, rise up, wake up. Because it's almost like, you know, we've been lulled into a false sense of security these days. But we need to be awakened. We need to be told what is going on, the subtle things going on around, for us to be able to hold on and go back to the Word of God. When we go back to the source and we, we, we know what the source is saying, we can then straight away distinguish, even if it comes in a very subtle, subtle, uh, subtle way. Paul talks about it. He says, If an angel from heaven comes and he preaches any gospel which is not jesus christ crucified and salvation through faith then i should they should be cursed regardless of whether they are they are from god or not because what they are sharing is wrong and that is something that we need to hold on to as well if somebody says something or you listen to a music and the lyrics of the song is not leading it's not projecting jesus christ and salvation and leading back to him but anything other than that please please look at it very carefully. It's, it's, it's quite interesting because when I look at, you know, the history of Israel, and this is just very brief, but if I look at the history of Israel, when you read through, you know, their relationship with God, there are times when you, look, you, you think God is a very barbaric God, he's a very violent god because he talks about going to kill people destroying nations and all of that but there is a reason there is a reason he knew the people of israel he knew that they were fled with the world and that is the reason why he said when he he said go and destroy this nation do not spare anything not children not animals or anything do not take any plant that he knows the reason because that little yeast will spoil that or the, that little folks can spoil the vine and that, that it tells us how um, serious he viewed sin. Especially for people that he consecrated to be his people. People that he made a covenant with. That I'm going to be with you. I go, I'm going to be your shield and your exceedingly great reward. He set the examples for them. He gave them the ten commandments. Do not have, do not worship any other gods apart from me. Do not even worship any graven image. And he says he's a jealous God. And that is the reason why if, uh, with any time they go to fight against the Amalekites and the Philistines, God will say, do not spare them. Kill everybody. Not because God is a barbaric God, but he did that to demonstrate to the people of Israel how he viewed sin. Sin is such a, a very despicable thing for him that even if it means destroy anything on his path to make sure that that is dealt away with, he will do that. And that is the reason why he brought his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. That gruesome death. For those of us, I'm quite sure last week, a lot of us probably watched Passion of the Christ. Saw how, you know, Jesus Christ was beaten, Jim Caviezel, the guy who plays uh, Jesus in that film. How he was scourged, all the, you know, the images. It, it, it's quite gruesome, but it tells us that this is what Jesus Christ did. And he did it for us. That is because he wanted to do away with our sin. So that today you and I will have only one person, only one focus. And that focus is to please him and to glorify him. And that is why we shouldn't flirt with the world. The people of Israel did. They flirted with the world. On different occasions. And then right here when we read the main scripture, First Samuel, they, they told Samuel that right we've had enough, we won the monarchy. And we know what really happened afterwards. Saul came onto the scene with all the fanfare that came with his, you know, coronation. Well, we're having coronation next month, aren't we? Right? All, you know, the fanfare that came with his coronation. But then afterwards, everything started going downhill. He started disobeying God's, you know, oldest, and then when they went to fight the Malachites, God actually specifically said, do not spare anyone, not even the king. He spared the king. He spared King Agag. And then we, we know that from there, Samuel went and spoke to him that, you know, God has actually taken the kingdom from your hands. He's given it to somebody who is more important. And we know that he went into that state of depression. And everything that happened, eventually he killed himself. David came on the scene. Yes, David was great, but with all his greatness, he also had his flaws. And we know what that is, his issue with Bathsheba, everything that happened, the internal conflict that he had to deal with. And then from then on, if you read from 1st, 2nd, 1st King, 2nd King's Chronicles, you will see there was a dark period in the history of Israel where kings were anointed and then within one week they get killed and somebody else comes in. And again, this is to demonstrate to us that when we walk away from God and we say this is what we want, God will give it to us. But with it comes all the sorrow and all the bad things that comes with it. It wasn't until the New Testament when Jesus Christ came, Jesus Christ came to fulfill everything and to actually redeem and to stop all the things that was going on. The seed of the woman the seed of the woman that was spoken about in Genesis. So as believers, very, very, very important for us to understand who we are. We've been consecrated by God. We are not just ordinary people. God has put his DNA into us. Remember, he said he breathed his breath into us and we became human beings. He knows everything about us. For read reason, 139, David was talking about it. Even before a thought comes to my mind, I already know what you want, you know. He knows everything about us. And if he knows everything about us, why would he not give everything that we need to us? He hasn't created us to abandon us. He's created us for a purpose and he said that he will always be with us even to the end of the age. So when you're going through the times when you feel that God is not there, it doesn't mean that God is not with you. God is always there, even in the valley. Even in the belly of the whale, God is still there. In the waters, he's with you. In the fire, he's with you. When you go through the fairness. When the fairness gets heated, the fairness of challenges get heated seven times. He's there with you. And I know that sometimes it's very difficult for you to pray. Lift up your voice and pray. Because at that moment, you're going through that challenge. And that challenge is magnified against the bigness of the goal that you serve. But if you can just remember, just that, that little light... To so remember that the Lord is your shepherd. That even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will you will fear no way because he is with you. He is your rod and your, your staff. He's preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He is making a way for you where there is no way. Remember that you are the branch that is attached to the main tree. And you are receiving nourishment so that at the right time, you will bear fruit. So that if at this moment in time, you are not bearing fruit, the interesting thing is your leaves will not grow old. They will always continue to be green. Why? Because you are attached to the main source of uh, uh, nourishment. So you continue to receive nourishment from God until when the season comes for you to bear fruit. This is very, very, very important. Otherwise, when the season comes... You will not be there for God to bless you simply because of your you know your anger or your rejection of God and so this morning really wanted to just really encourage us that life without god is a very very hard one I don't know about you, but it is a very very hard one it is a very hard one to actually having Lent about God, having received uh, the spirit of God in you, having God provided and done quite a lot of things for, which is still for you to walk away from him. And as I said earlier on, there have been people who have actually done that. They've actually walked away from God. They've said I don't want anything to do with God. They've given all manner of reasons and they've stepped away from God. And we know that when you do that, You're left to your own devices. You walk away from from the protection of God. And when you walk away from the protection of God, you become a prey to the enemy. And every idea, any depraved idea will seem good to you. But if you are in the vine, you hear a voice behind you that says, this is the way we walk in it, and you will walk in it. Because you know that it is the voice of God. It is the voice of the Good Shepherd. He says that, what his sheep hears his voice and they follow him. And we want to be able to hear his voice and we want to be able to follow him because we know that where he's taking us is the best place for us to be. Our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts. He said, just as the heaven is farther than the earth, so are his ways our ways and his thoughts are thoughts. So be rest assured. Delays don't mean denials. Because God is on your side. God is fighting for you. If you're here this morning. And you are thinking about the challenges that you're going through. And the fact that you're going through difficulties. and You've come to that point where you're beginning to question. Whether God really, really is there for you. If you're watching me on KCTV and you're going through that season, I really want to encourage you that God hasn't abandoned you. That God is there for you. He's always been there for you, even though it doesn't feel like it. And that when you go through moments like that, just remember who God is when he's come through for you. I I found that to be quite really, really helpful. It actually helped me through difficult and challenging times. I can always look back and see those moments those difficult moments and i can see god coming through all of that and that really gives me that assurance and so i can wake up in the morning and i can say great is your faithfulness morning by morning new mercies i always get mercies to help me to go through the day everything that i need your hand has provided even if i don't see it now i believe And when we do that, you build, for some reason, there is something that comes out of you that gives you that assurance that you've got God on your side. And that's all you need. You need to know that God is on your side. And when you know that God is on your side, it doesn't really matter what is going on around the world. The world might be crumbling, but you are going to be standing still because you are leaning on the rock. And because you're leaning on the rock, you're standing still and nothing that comes around you will come close to you. So really want to encourage you today. If you're thinking of walking away, please don't. I would encourage you, please don't. If anything at all, rededicate your life to Christ. Come back to him. Let him know how you feel. He's very much interested in everything. Very much interested in every, your frustrations. What is going on with job, relationship, fine, Whatever that is, he's very much interested. Remember that he, everything belongs to him. If you read Psalm 24 verse 1, it says, The earth is the lost and the fullness thereof, the world and all those that dwell therein. That includes you and I. So he knows. And if what David said is anything to come by, that even before a thought, he knows everything about us. So why don't you go and express it to him? And when you do that, he will show you greater mighty things that you don't know. He will assure you that he's there for you. The season may not be now, but it doesn't mean that he's not going to come through for you. Because we know that times and seasons... Let's bow our heads. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings...